Thanks so much for downloading and listening to this IOE podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Psyched About Education. This series celebrates the academic excellence of the work carried out at the Department of Psychology and Human Development and the impact this work has on policy and practice. In other words, how can psychology make a difference? I'm Dr. Bonamy Oliver. My own research is on family and school environments important for children's psychological adjustment and mental health, and I'm your host for today. With me, I have Dr. Joe Van Herwigen, an Associate Professor in the Department of Psychology and Human Development, whose research focuses on improving educational outcomes, especially for those with educational needs and disabilities. And she's carried out international research on the impact of COVID-19 for those with SEND. Dr. Kerry Wong, Assistant Professor in the same department. Her research focuses on school children's mental health and development of trust and how these predict disabling conditions like schizophrenia in later life or antisocial behaviours. Kerry leads the UCL Penn Global COVID study, a three time point survey looking at the impact of COVID-19 on adults and families' mental health, physical health and relationships. And last but by no means least, Dr. Maria Kamburi, Associate Professor in the Department of Psychology and Human Development, whose research focuses on pedagogies that use technologies to support learners with special educational needs. Maria was the departmental graduate research tutor for many years, and so she's been particularly interested in the well-being of doctoral students and has run several projects on peer support and connectedness. The most recent one, funded by UCL Changemakers, started pre-COVID and is called the Better Together Project. She and her team of masters and doctoral students joined Kerry in carrying out the UCL Penn Global COVID study on doctoral students' mental health. In this podcast, we're going to be focusing on mental health and the impact of the COVID pandemic. So welcome everybody, thanks for joining us. I'd like to start with a broad question if I may. The media is full of talk about the impact of the pandemic on mental health. To what extent is this reflected in your own research findings? Joe, would you like to start us off? Ah, thank you, Bonnie. In our research, we examined the impact of COVID-19 on anxiety and worries in individuals with special educational needs and disabilities, as well as their siblings and their parents using parental report. We had over 10,000 families from across the world that took part in the research. And we found that older individuals were indeed impacted more by the uh, COVID-19 situation. Um, However, that was the case for all groups, including individuals with special educational needs and disabilities, as well as their typically developing siblings. And also in both groups, we saw that anxiety went up. So we asked questions from before the pandemic hit, during the first lockdown in January to April 2020, as well as then when we did the survey, which was in July. Um, And so we saw that anxiety actually remained high. Of course, you know, we also looked at what is causing this anxiety and we asked about uh, the worries that different groups had. And what we saw is that the uh, typically developing siblings had more concerns around family conflict and financial problems, but we didn't see that in our um, individuals with special educational needs and disabilities. They were worried about social um, relationships, but also very much worried about um, the closure of their institutions that supported them and as well as schools obviously. Great thanks very much Joe. 
Kerry, can I turn to you? In what way was your, uh, did your research reflect the impact of the pandemic? Great, thanks, Bonnie. So I started the UCL Penn Global COVID Study in April 2020 in response really to my childhood experiences of living through um, a similar situation of SARS uh, as a teenager growing up in Hong Kong. And I really wanted um, this time around to understand how this kind of natural stressor of a pandemic uh, may impact people's mental health um, over time and as well as kind of the short and longer term impacts. So over two, two and a half thousand adults responded to our survey um, at three time points during the pandemic, um, each of them six months apart. We surveyed people between April to July 2020, October 2020 to January 2021, um, which also interestingly coincided with major national uh, lockdowns uh, in Europe as well. That part wasn't planned, of course. And finally, in April to July 2021, which was uh, when easing of lockdown started um, again. So we had students, parents, teachers uh, respond primarily from the UK, the US, Greece and Italy. And we found some similar uh, kind of similarities and differences between uh, gender and also um, age groups. So in terms of gender, uh, no single group reported uh, being worse off or having more symptoms than others, except for women um, uh, reporting higher levels of anxiety and also higher levels of empathy as well during the pandemic compared to men. In terms of age, uh, younger 18 to 24 year olds reported significantly poorer mental health in our sample compared to older um, participants in our um, sample, particularly those who were aged 55 years and above. So these are, you know, more symptoms of anxiety, depression, aggression, poorer sleep, um, but also COVID-related stress. Um, and they also reported being less trusting of others as well and less physically active compared to pre-COVID times. Um, we did not find any age differences for levels of empathy and loneliness, which doesn't mean that they're not impacted by COVID, just that there's no one age group that is uh, worse off or better off in these instances. So in fact, we've, we've two papers um, showing that levels of loneliness actually fluctuate based on the duration of lockdown. And it is a key set of symptoms that are linked to mental health as well as our relationships um, with others in terms of trust. In other words, addressing loneliness perhaps may improve mental health outcomes as well as our relationships with others. Thanks, Kerry. It's so interesting, isn't it? Maria, did you also see the impact of the pandemic for mental health in your work? Yes, exactly. Picking up on Kerry's results of the pandemic um, on psychosocial aspects of life, our analysis of a smaller sample, which focused on doctoral students, and we had about 155 um, who were aged between 23 to 69, um, although it's towards the younger end, sort of 30s, um, showed that um, indeed doctoral students are a vulnerable um, population. Uh, previously, studies showed one in three doctoral students um, is at risk of common psychiatric disorder with um, particularly anxiety and depression being um, six times higher than um, the general population. So, and of those who suffer, you know, the, which is more important for our universities, is only a third um, seek access to institutional um, advice and, and 
go to any support services um, in the UK universities. So these results reflect the picture that we already knew about, uh, but this collective stressor, the pandemic, has added to the existing situation. Um, moreover, it is difficult to separate these factors. So what we've done is that we, we looked at how cumulative stressful educational events experienced in their doctoral training affected doctoral students' anxiety and depression. And we also had a uh, variables on coping skills uh, that could um, tell us something about the impact on their health. So effectively, um, we will be able to boost their coping skills um, now that we know that there is such an effect. Um, and so we concluded that it is this accumulation of events rather than the experience of singular events, such as finances and, and sort of personal um, self-esteem and so on, that could lead to higher levels of mental health stress. Carrie, as you mentioned, the pandemic has had several phases in the UK, from full lockdown to partial lockdown to where we are now, wherever that is. From your research, can you share insights into how these different phases have impacted mental health? Yes, sure. So the patterns I spoke about earlier, you know, young people reporting poorer mental health than older people were pretty much stable between April 2020 and July 2021. Um, but it's also not all bad news. By the time lockdown eased between April and July 2021, our data showed that young people's levels of stress and aggressive behaviors um, decreased and that uh, their trust in others also started to increase again. As lockdown continued to ease, we asked people to re reflect on the year and tell us what support they needed in order to inform policy. Um, three clustering themes emerged. Aside from about 14% who reported that they've coped uh, well with the pandemic and they don't need further support um, that they don't already have, 38% told us their outlook on life has changed, sometimes for the better, other times for the worse. The, this related to their mental health uh, assessment, their relationships, motivations, and bereavement as well. Another 34% of our responses were about engaging with self-improvement activities. So for example, trying something new, picking up a new skill or language, um, while about 7% said the pandemic promoted more sedentary behaviors, limited their access and continued access to mental health support. And that still a smaller but significant group of 24% um, were uh, spoke a lot about financial burdens, stress, um, but also the advantages of studying and working remotely. So as you can see, it's a, a real mixed bag. Yeah, absolutely. Maria, what did you see with the doctoral student sample? Did it look yes, similar? I could add to that, actually, that we also found um, financial burden is, is and has been known to be obviously one of the main factors, um, as well as um, interruption of access to research fields, which was obviously particularly um, disruptive for, for them uh, at the moment. And quite a few of them had to use secondary data analysis and find other ways. Um, we didn't find particularly, um, you know, sort of differences between the waves of the study, you know, over the period, uh, but it looked like um, students are possibly, um, although they are affected, they're coping quickly, you know, they're sort of picking up things um, better. So it, it's possible there, I mean, it, it is possible to boost that ability to cope better, and I think that's what we're going to be focusing on. Thank you. 
No, can I ask you, obviously you focus on um, special educational needs and disabilities. Are there differences in terms of who's been most effective and what we understand about people who are more likely to be vulnerable than others? Yeah, so in our research, we did find that um, both typically developing children, as well as those with special educational needs and disabilities, um, that for those who did have an existing diagnosis of anxiety or anxiety issues that come with their diagnosis, were a greater risk for having, you know, more anxiety, more worries, a bigger impact on their well-being. But another factor that we found is important is parental anxiety. So, um, you know, where parents were more anxious, we saw that children or offspring were more anxious as well. Of course, in our research, we were using parental reports, so it may come as no surprise that we had this finding. But on the other hand, you know, um, we do know that um, anxiety impacts the entire family and not just the individuals themselves. And that was very clear from our data. Um, However, in terms of whether different groups of individuals were impacted more or not, uh, we have now two studies using different cohorts. Um, so we had one cohort from the very early onset of pandemic in January 2020 to April 2020, but also repeated that with a, you know, what we call maybe lockdown through January last year, 2021 to, you know, that, that April in 2021. And in both of these cohorts, we did see that um, children with Down syndrome showed less uh, anxiety um, compared to other groups with SEND. But importantly, the anxiety in individuals with Down syndrome was higher from before the pandemic. So again, it's important to understand that maybe some groups are impacted less than others, but we see an impact in all groups of uh, children here. That's a really interesting finding. Thank you. So I guess I'm wondering what, what you all think we can do. What can we do next? Um, so perhaps I could ask all of you in just a couple of words, assuming that we can't end everything to do with the pandemic tomorrow, what would you like to see put in place to mitigate the problems that you've seen and how might we do that? Um, jo, maybe I can start with you this time. Okay, fine. So I think our research has shown how important schools are in terms of providing support for both children as well as hubs for parents for information and, and, and support. Um, and I think also the parents we talked to has also told us some good stories around the fact that, you know, because of the pandemic, they have more contact with their child's schools. They are more aware of where their child is in terms of their education and development. And I think, you know, maybe building on those strengths in terms of providing good connections between parents, children, and schools might be a good way forward. One parent told me actually, if, you know, if we could see this as a, a, the start of a new era and take the good things from it, it might be a nice way forward. That's a nice message. How about you, Maria? Um, well, our Better Together project um, will continue to provide support to students um, uh, through these group initiatives um, that encourage, encourage peer support, uh, but also their favoring action, you know, sort of to, to take things you know, by hand and sort of do something to solve any impasses faced in the doctoral journey, which um, is, is so important. Um, for instance, and we started mentoring this year, um, or, or, you know, second year and third year students are mentoring first years, um, and these schemes exist um, in, the, in the biggest um, faculty as well. And this will also keep the dialogue open um, in a relationship with supervisors um, and with other members of staff, which is again, something that we need to work on. And this, so in general, the very much 
together we can feel stronger motto here. Right, thanks Maria. And finally to you, Kerry. I think, you know, we have been in the same storm, but not the same boat as a phrase that we've heard time and time again during the pandemic. And I really do think it captures the current situation. Um, but two words um, sum up my ideas. The first is empathy and the second solidarity. So our results highlight the importance of having and showing empathy towards others in our community. As you know, um, how people have been affected by the pandemic is not um, always obvious. Um, and then solidarity, we need this at every level of society and globally, I think, to fight against coronavirus and also its new variants as well. So that's mine. Thank you all. I, um, one of the things I really like about what you've all said, actually, is that, you know, there are obviously some very negative impacts, but thinking thinking in positive ways and, and uh, you know, really trying to make a difference through those positive things is, is really important. So thanks very much. Very, very interesting. I do have one final question for each of you. How has your work or psychology research in the area generally made a contribution to policy or practice? Maria, maybe I'll start with you this time. Well, we're working on it, <laughs> I think, <laughs> general answer. Um, we're feeding back the results to our university support services um, with suggestions for new schemes and continue with research in the area and promote the plans for um, extra support for doctoral students. Uh, for example, in our department, as I mentioned before, we have the peer mentoring schemes that are working very well, um, and as well as more specific training for supervisors to raise awareness um, on mental health. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of our supervisors have taken the mental health aid um, su support um, schemes as well. So I think it's, it's really a time of awareness, of opening up and understanding that things are more difficult in general. Um, also, we have joined forces with other universities and I'm hoping to, um, to, um, to join a project that would feed back direct, directly to government for support um, as we do that. So, but it's still in plan. Thank you. Harry. Um, well, our COVID findings have um, already been submitted, um, parts of it at least as evidence to the UK Select Committee's call, um, especially on children and young people's mental health, and actually Bonnie and Joe, you're both on it as well. So um, our study findings have also been referenced in the UK Parliament's Office for Science and Technology in their rapid response blogs um, and reports. Um, the specifically that time was about vaccine hesitancy. Um, it's our study findings have also been featured on podcasts um, with listeners upward of 37,000 plays. So um, yeah, and we will continue, I guess, to share our findings um, in this way as well to maximize the impact that it can have on society. Perfect. Thank you, Kerry. Joe. So um, we've obtained um, funding for, for two further projects where we're actually developing and co-producing with parents some toolkits to help parents of uh, children with special educational needs and disabilities, as well as individuals um, who are more, much older uh, in terms of getting them back in active in society, if you were. Um, so that's, that's part of uh, some of the further research, putting that into action. Um, but I also think, you know, we what's been helpful is that we've created with um, researchers who have an interest uh, or have researched uh, special educational needs and disabilities across Europe to provide some guidance for teachers around how they can include children with special educational needs and disabilities in online learning, because I think it's something that might stay with us for a little longer. Unfortunately, I think you're right. 
Thank you, everybody. Um, so interesting, such impactful work. I just really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you so much for your time, all three of you. So that's it from us today. You've been listening to Psyched About Education. For further details or other podcasts from the Department of Psychology and Human Development, please see the links at the end of this podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to this IOE podcast. 